what I began to see as, a, as I learned more about ADHD, I learned how it, like, I really do look at Erin, like she has this beautiful mind that allowed her to be a mom in an amazing way. And that, yes, I helped with organizing things around the house and doing all that kind of stuff. But her like contribution was so monumental and wonderful that those things that I began to feel frustrated about, I was able to kind of like metabolize them differently. Welcome to the ADHD Lounge Podcast. Whether you are someone with ADHD or a learning disability or just curious to learn more, come hang out with us in our lounge. I'm Alex. I'm a mom, a New Yorker, a Mets fan, a yogi, and a brunch enthusiast. I also happen to be diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD at the age of eight. I'm the founder of Capable Consulting, a coaching and consulting business that supports adults with learning disabilities and or ADHD. And I'm Katie, an ADHD advocate, coach, mom, author, founder of Women in ADHD, and I host the popular Women in ADHD podcast. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and now I have made it my mission to help neurodivergent adults learn to love their brains. In each episode, we'll be diving deep into the world of ADHD, discussing unique challenges, sharing our personal stories, providing support and resources, and bringing in experts to help us along the way. You can also find the two of us over at the ADHDlounge.com, an all-in-one ADHD coaching community for personalized guidance, goal planning, skill building, expert roundtables, and so much more to help you make the most of your amazing brain and live life to the fullest. So grab your favorite drink, maybe a croissant, grab a seat, or start walking or cleaning or however you choose to listen, because at the ADHD Lounge, you can come exactly as you are. All right, welcome back to the ADHD Lounge. Today, Alex and I are joined by Stephen and Aaron Mitchell. Welcome, Stephen and Aaron. Hi, hi. Thanks for having us. So good to be here. Uh, Stephen and Aaron are a married couple, and they're parents to three amazing kids. Now, Stephen holds a PhD in medical family therapy, and Aaron holds a master's in counseling psychology. And they are the co-founders of Couples Counseling for Parents, a fantastic Instagram site and community. They provide parenting partners stage-based relationship education to help couples stay connected as they travel through the developmental stages of parenting. It's, wow, that sounds like lot. something, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds, <laughs> sounds great. great. Yeah. And that is why Katie does the reading, because as someone who's dyslexic, could not have done that as well. So bravo <laughs> all the way around. Yeah, I We all know our strengths. Yeah. So Alex and I had been wanting to, to talk about the topic of ADHD in relationships. It's something I find a lot with my clients. I mostly work with women who are diagnosed, in ADHD, diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood, and they come to me because they're feeling overwhelmed. They want more productivity issues. They, you know, they're feeling like, God, I can't do everything. But at the end, it, we always end up talking about their, their marriage, yeah, <laughs> right? Always. Right. It always comes down to their marriage and their support and communication. And it feels like everything stems from there. So this is such a huge topic. And I really, you know, I wanted to reach out to you guys because, you know, I know we've talked about this in the past, but I just find that our conversation that we had for your community um, about what it's like to have one ADHD partner, especially as the wife, um, I th- just thought it was such a fantastic conversation. So I wanted an excuse to bring you guys back. Talk more. 
Yeah. Well, we're really happy to be back. It is such a common topic. And it's a big deal. Yeah. It's a, such a big deal. It, um, it comes up all of the time mm-hmm. within couples we work with. And it's a hot topic, not just because it's popular. I, I do think it's gaining some traction in terms of like people actually talking about it and us being able to, you know, unmask a little and even know why we're doing that to begin with, even be able to name that. But also because it's hurtful. Like there's so many places of hurt. And then I think once you start sort of uncovering, like, wait a minute, this is, this is that, then it's sort of like. Yeah. The, the understanding that there's ADHD, actually, I think at least in our relationship helped take away some of the hurt. Um, I think in terms of like me understanding that for you. Aaron. <laughs> I was going to say, that's so beautiful. Cause I was just thinking about the post you guys made recently about that mental load and how you were communicating the stress of that and what Stephen was hearing versus what Aaron was saying and vice versa. And I think that that's so beautifully how it was articulated. And I know people might not have seen this post. So I think it would be really cool to just even talk about that post in particular about this mental load, that stress and how you are communicating that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to be super honest. I know what post you're talking about, (laughs) but I I probably am going to change all the language because I'm like, what did I say? You're going to redo that post right here. Yes, I know. But I know know the idea. Um, (laughs) So if I missed any of the things that stuck out to you, please say so. But I think for me, a lot of times in trying to communicate about the mental load specifically, it comes out as my good intention of trying to express and explain my experience of all the things I'm juggling can come out very much like, and you aren't doing anything or <laughs> don't have any idea. And yeah. you, you have no clue and you sit around whatever. Um, or Your life is easy. Mine's hard. You know, those kinds of things. Right. Right. And, and my intention of course, is to try to express something of myself, but so often like how I express myself is by describing what I think is different. Or being which, critical. Like, like we, I think we just do this as humans to express something about ourselves. We like tear down something about someone else or diminish it or critic, you know, and, and then what begins to happen is there's just a, a defensive battle that begins. Like there's no communication when that happens. Um, and then my experience has been totally lost because yeah. now Stephen's like giving me this laundry list of all the things he's done today. And I'm like, neat. Like, because, because I can't really counter that. I mean, he's right, but like, that's not yeah. what I meant to say, even though that's exactly what I said. I, even though what I said was, you don't have any idea. Right. And he's like, well, let me tell you about the idea I have. And then I'm like, oh, well, that's not what I meant. That's not what I was trying to express. But here we are lost and I think that's, super separate planes. I think that's such a good place to start because I think that that's what probably all of Katie and I's conversations with our clients. I know with my male clients, they'll be like, can my wife join the call or <laughs> can my roommate join the call? Yeah. Because we keep having issues trying to figure out who's doing what. How do we how do we stay on top of the laundry and the garbage and the, all the mundane tasks that are so boring that just end up frustrating us all? And then we don't necessarily communicate the way we want to or are being heard in the way that we think. There's all that 
rejection sensitivity if they didn't hear me the same way. So I think that this is going to be such a fun conversation for people to listen to, regardless of whether you are married or with a roommate or friends or family or coworkers that you're constantly frustrated with that source of communication and your needs and making sure that everybody is feeling supported in the way that they would like to. So Katie, I know we had come up with so many questions. I'm talking too much. So Katie, what was some of, I, what were some of the good questions that you mentioned that you wanted to talk about? I want to know how you guys feel like your marriage has changed since Erin began identifying herself as ADHD and kind of went through this profound new self-identity. What do you think has changed? Thank you for being delicate about the way you said that. I have some sensitivities around it. Being Um, labeled, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Yeah. But um, I think one of the things that has been profound, and I, I, I probably made a face. I don't, does this podcast get... Like, is there a video to it? There will be, yeah. We're on video right now. Well, I know we're on video. Um, but <laughs> is, there, I, <laughs> is there a video going on here, guys? I'm not well, sure. Well, if people can't see it and they're just <laughs> listening, Aaron is making all kinds of weird faces. Yes, it's true. It's worth watching. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> But mean. even earlier when Stephen said, I think us coming to the understanding of are About you ADHD and me coming Diminished to some of your, or resolved some of your hurt. Yeah, or, or, or maybe... Honestly, maybe I should say some of my frustration or, or, and also like I would say, and, and I don't mean this like a, in a diminishing way, it changed my expectations, not my expectations of you and what you're capable of, but, but just like, there's some things that I think are, are like, I don't have to ex- expect from you, like you're time blind, right? So I don't need to, I don't need to expect you to interact with time in a different way. I don't have a problem like, like, so this comes into, you know, Aaron and I meet with couples all the time together and I'm the kind of the scheduler, the organizer, all that kind of stuff. And I just call out time checks before a meeting. I'm like, Hey, we got five it minutes. Drives we me got four. wildly bonkers. But, it, but if it's not done. Yeah, I'm still doing Aaron might else. not show up on time. But I don't get, I'm not frustrated with her about that anymore. I'm just like, she's just time blind. That's fine. I can accept that. I don't need to, like that, that doesn't, I don't need to feel really any kind of energy around that. I feel okay. I feel okay making that sort of adjustment, right? Like. So I think the reason I even bring this back up though. So when Steven said like it, I think you said initially it hurt. Yeah, yeah, so it reduced some of your hurt. And mm-hmm. I think for me, it intensified some of mine. Mm-hmm. I think it it gave us new language to talk about it. But I'm finally, I think, this recognition, realization. This is the first I'm hearing of this. So I'm really. <laughs> We're going to, we thought we could heal this right now. So you're about to tell me you're really hurt. I feel really <laughs> uncomfortable. I, I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> we'll send you the counseling bill in the mail. <laughs> That'd be perfect. Um, <laughs> Well, I think, yes. Um, (laughs) But like it gave me new language to say like, hey, this thing that you sort of get frustrated with me Uh, about and um, or these things that you come at me with, because that's exactly how I felt about it. Yeah, kind of in a condescending, judgmental, critical way. Yes. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) Kind of condescending, judgmental, and critical. Like, Mm, ah, everybody loves those. (laughs) No, baby. (laughs) I was kind of like that. Um, I feel like I finally was like, hey. This isn't okay. Not that any of those things were ever okay. Right, but right, but right. like, this, it felt really 
I was able to have some footing to be like, this is part of who I am and this is part of the way I operate and this is part of the way I'm wired. And I I don't, I know this isn't specifically for parents, but also some of my energy was because, and I, I think we talked about this, Katie, the, the reason I came to know this about myself is we were doing this for our oldest. Um, we were doing this for one of our kids and like, oh, this is me. Like, this has always been me. Yeah. And so now I'm like, hey, you cannot interact with me like this. You can also not interact with them like this. Like, yeah. it's not okay. And, and I think it, at a fundamental point, like... I, it started changing what, conversations. It, yeah, and it, and it did. It did help me understand. Um, you know, I, so I'm a pretty organized person. I can be a bit exacting. Um, I can be a bit critical. Like these are not like shining moments for me. I, I acknowledge those, but I think how that plays into AD, ADHD is that meant that I could be really kind of a, a bit litigious and a bit sort of like, come on, Aaron, like, like this is simple stuff, you know, like let's, we're just trying to keep things straight or we're just trying to keep to the schedule. Or we're just trying to keep this like organized. You started this and you didn't finish it. Like, like, and I could be just kind of judgmental. Right. And, and I think that where I realized is that that was really hurtful because it was a miss of kind of, I think, some of the beauty of what ADHD brings to who you are as a person. Um, and I was making you feel bad about yourself. And and I think that I and it, that was hurtful. And I was, I felt justified. I should yeah, have felt justified. Yeah, that's the part I was just going to say, too. I think a lot of the yeah. couples we end up working with who are struggling with this is that partner. Because, I mean, Stephen's using all these mean words. And I think because they are a little bit true. But, like the the feeling behind them for that partner i mean it is hard to have adhd i think that it is a kind of a daily struggle it is also really challenging to be married to someone with adhd to be a roommate to someone with adhd there are things to learn about this and so stephen did feel justified these couples we work with this partner's like but it it does cost me like this is this does add something to me it does and and you can't that's sort of back to that mental load piece like if we start trying to exactly way out and measure like so who's is worse and how much and both experiences are lost like the beauty of who i am is lost Mm -hmm. the beauty of who you are and what we both can bring is completely missed in this like tit for tat Mm -hmm. and measure totally i think that it's beautiful how open your dialogue is and not necessarily placing blame but placing understanding in that empathy that you have for each other, I think really is very important. I was thinking as you were talking about how you were frustrated, how it always ends up on you. I think I have said that phrase to my husband multiple times of like, the only one whose decisions you make affects is me. And it was so frustrating because that's how I felt is like, he didn't follow through on things that he said that he wouldn't. I'm calling him out. I love him. Best friend. We've been together for 12 years. But I think that what was really important for, for people to take from this is that that open dialogue and empathy you have to have goes both ways. And what I think would be really interesting for, for us to also talk about is how do you engage in the conversation? Like, obviously, getting out the door is very hard to do. And you have to remind Erin that she's got five minutes before you get out the door. But how do you bring 
Aaron into the conversation so that whatever it is that you have to do collectively feels like you are getting input in together. Because that's something that I know a lot of my clients come to me. I'll have, I I work with men, women, and any way you identify, I work with people and they are, they are having very similar challenges. Well, you know, this one made a whole organizational system and they're pissed that I'm not following it. And we have a whole shoe shoe rack at the front door. Tell me about it. (laughs) Are you you talking about Steven? This is Steven. Yes, the shoes. For the love of God, the shoes. (laughs) The shoe rack is at the front. Put it back. Like you see it. This is a thing. This is, this is something that I talk to people. The shoe rack, the laundry, the dishes. These are things that people talk to me about all the time. I'm sure Katie says the same thing. So how do you bring somebody in who this natural sense of organization and executive functioning does not exist? How do you bring them in so they feel empowered to do this, but also don't like upset the person who doesn't necessarily have it or how to create those systems within your family so that everyone is involved and making sure that nobody's losing their mind in the process? That was a very loaded question. Sorry. I have have so much great, to say so. about that. No, and also um, felt personal. Yeah, I feel yeah. now I'm completely committed to the idea that Steven sent an email over ahead. These are the talking points. Hey, can we touch on the shoe closet in the front of the house, please? Uh, I'd like to see that it's look different. It's so universal. I should show you my shoes in the front. So this is how, like, I think at least, like, how so how do you bring your partner into it? I think it's it's a... You have to bring yourself into it in a certain way, and there has to be a way of inviting your partner into it. So I think one of the things that, you know, Erin mentioned, like she was, she like, as she kind of came to grips with ADHD, began to see some of the hurt in terms of how I was interacting with her. I fully acknowledge that. I think I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry again. Um, but, but I think what I realized is it made me appreciate Aaron so much more. And and I think that what I began to see as as I learned more about ADHD, I learned how it, like, I really do look at Aaron like she has this beautiful mind that allowed her to be a mom in an amazing way. And that, yes, I helped with organizing things around the house and doing all that kind of stuff. But her like contribution was so monumental and wonderful that those things that I began to feel frustrated about, I was able to kind of like metabolize them differently. I'm like, I'm doing this. She's doing that. We both need that. Um, and, and so I think in one way, what changed the conversation is how I brought myself to the conversation. I didn't need to try to go to Aaron and say, Hey, I need you to be more like me. What I needed to do is come to her and say, hey, this is who you are. How can we like maximize that and work together to play to like what works for both of us, what we both do well? And so I think that at least that was a shift in my own like thinking about the whole the whole thing. I think what I would add to that and maybe it's not even an ad, maybe it's just different. Um, I think that especially as parents, this conversation shifts radically because I think I, I mean, what we talked about the mental load earlier. So I think that very often, especially, um, 
I already felt like I, I'm the default parent in our relationship. And so I didn't, Stephen would get frustrated about things I was or wasn't doing or how I did it. I mean, honestly, we have a system for everything at our house. Because it's beautiful. And by we, I mean Stephen. And by we, I mean, I. he felt really disrespected because I disrespected it. But I felt very justified in disrespecting it because I I didn't ask for the system. I didn't need the system. It didn't help me. I don't see what it's doing for us. And I felt like because I'm the default parent, because I I bear the mental load of our parenting, I'm like, listen, that seems like a you problem. Now, I don't recommend this We approach. never thought <laughs> about that. It was that. I received that so well, especially that that's a you problem. <laughs> I don't care. I didn't ask for that. Well, I, yeah, I actually do recommend great. that one. But I, I, I do feel that. like sometimes Stephen would try to put these things on me. And I mean, honestly, it just felt like cages. Like, I, I'm not going to do that. You are setting up something for me to fail at, for this you to is, get mad at me at. This is before I realized your beautiful <laughs> yeah. mind. And before <laughs> I came to accept that. Totally. Because, because I think what, what happened, at least in my experience, is when I kind of backed off and was able to kind of uh, to, to understand and appreciate, I think you were more open to like, yeah, yeah. To, to understanding and appreciating That's some of sure, the value true. and like what I brought to the table. And, and so we weren't fighting each other or, or like criticizing each other. Um, it really did begin to feel much more like, Hey, how can we work together because we both are bringing something valuable here? And this is something Stephen says to almost every couple we work with, but specifically the ones with ADHD. Like this has to be a me and you against like how we see this problem rather than this problem coming between us and like that being the filter through everything. Because that is just like now we're enemies um, yeah. and not, none of us want that. Um, and rather like, okay, so this is the reality. This is, and, and we do, I don't love having a disorganized shoe closet. It's not like I'm like, you know what I love is dishes in the sink and that never get put in the dishwasher and shoes all over. And is that sometimes true in our house? Yes. But it's not like I'm like, ah, oh, home sweet home. Um, <laughs> but like having to feel like now we come in and we take off our shoes and we put them on your spot on the shelf. And if, if I tell you, it worked, but, I would just <laughs> but that doesn't happen. feel good to me. That feels so, I mean, honestly, the word I've said is like, that feels so controlling. Yeah. I feel like there's a fine line between wanting to please your partner because you know, it's important to them and feeling like you're driven by some sort of fear or like you said, being controlled. And I think that that's, I think it goes part and parcel to what you were saying earlier about being partners in terms of like you're not competing as parents but you're looking to see how you complement each other and so thinking about like if you're good at that thing then great we've got that covered what am i good at right and thinking about how you cover different parts but also then respecting that this is important to you and not me you know i think i <laughs> think one of i think one of Ever. the things like one of the highest um areas of conflict i think for couples is when the goal is to achieve sameness. And it, and what happens is it's this idea of, I need you to be like me because that's going to reduce my stress and that's going to reduce my anxiety. And couples don't mean to do that, but they get in that back and forth all the time. And it's exactly what you're saying, Katie. Like It's, it's about recognizing there are differences and the differences are the thing that's going to make us work together effectively. We just have to respect them. We have to appreciate them. We have to identify them. 
And instead of a tug of war of like, do the shoe closet the way I do the shoe closet. You know what? Don't worry about it. I do the shoe closet. Great. I'll do it. You know, like, like that works awesome, you know, and, and you can, I mean, I think Aaron does like the way I get overwhelmed. No pressure, Stephen, but it sounds like you're struggling. No, 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 no. Aaron does. She's she good things. at stuff, <laughs> stuff and things. things. There's things she does well. But I, No, but I just mean like you can metabolize like the energy of the house feeling bonkers, like kids everywhere, questions everywhere, things to do. Like I lay down in the fetal position and I'm like, I can't, I can't interact with any of our children because I'm so overwhelmed. And you're like, you're there. And you're like, you are able to do so like, just like engage with that and sort of help the the tone of that, of the house in such a great way that I can't, you know? Yes, so. I do know. Was that a good He's recovery? Right. Did I recover? <laughs> Did I do it right? One of the things I feel like I encounter a lot um, with ADHD partners is this idea that, like, I I need my partner to understand my experience, which is kind of a huge ask, right? And so, uh, you know, oftentimes, like, we will hyperfocus, like, we'll hyperfocus on ADHD, right? I did this with parenting when I was pregnant. I read all the books. My husband read zero books. He just sort of, I think, felt like I had it covered, right? And it was, I felt like it was, it somehow was an indication that he didn't care. And so I re- feel like I have a lot of partners or a lot of women with ADHD who are going through this transformative experience but their partner doesn't feel like they are interested in learning about who this is because they've already accepted this person for who they are or not, but they feel like it's a real rejection of them personally. Do you experience this or how do you talk through this with partners when it comes to that interpreting it as disinterest? I don't know. I don't know what I'm asking. It also just feels like dysregulation and and just this rejection sensitivity to what you're talking about of a newly diagnosed person. This goes for my male clients too, who are newly diagnosed that they feel like, don't you know what I'm going through? And it's like, well, you look like the same person who I've been with forever, or you're the same roommate I've known since I was 12 years old. It's, it's the same emotional tie that you're talking about, Katie. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to answer and then tell me if I answered, because <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to answer it. How I think I heard it. I think that how you said it there at the end, Katie, I think is spot on. Like, hey, I'm interpreting you not taking interest in this as not being interested in me because this is revelatory to me. I'm learning so much about myself. I, I, I think for me, I think for a lot of the couples we talk to, like, I'm learning to appreciate myself in a new way. I'm learning like new things like I don't have to feel bad about or ashamed about anymore. Like I would love to feel like you're sharing in this with me. And I feel like what I'm I'm interpreting this is you're not interested in knowing those things or you're not interested in me feeling less shame or you're not interested in interpreting. I sometimes liken it to coming out of the closet where it's almost like there are people in your life who are really like, yeah, we knew all along. This is no, you know, this is not news to me. And then there's people who were like, I was more comfortable with the relationship we had. And so I see a lot of that sometimes with couples where it's like your relationship was built on one of you having a lot of shame and bringing that shame to the relationship. And when you're no longer feeling the shame, I think there might be that unspoken sense that the other partner liked it better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, I wonder, so so that's really interesting, Katie, because I feel like there's, in a sense, a, a bit of a power dynamic there uh, um, that can happen, like the 
you know, sort of the shame filled, you know, can't keep it together or whatever kind of partner. And then the one who's together and like, they lose that, that position. Um, and so there might be some difficulty there, but Aaron, I, I wonder, and I, I think sometimes that the, the not connecting with your partner's experience, sometimes you correct me if I'm wrong, is because the partner's so full of resentful, their resentment that they're like, I don't care. I'm tired. Like I've been so frustrated and so angry about how this has been impacting me. And you want me to understand you forget it. And we hear that a lot. And I think that that's really hurtful. I mean, obviously, because I think this is one of those moments too, where there is shared cost. Like it's hard being in relationship is hard, right? Like it just is. Um, But someone has to suspend their hurt to move towards the experience of their partner when there is shared hurt. Every time someone has to suspend, which does not mean pretend they're not feeling or put away forever. It just means like to move towards you and your hurt, I I can't fight back. So for Stephen to say like, you have no idea how lonely I've been in this. And I, I, what I want to be is like, you've been lonely like are you out of your mind that that gets us both nowhere like nowhere um so i think katie like i think the person who's in the self-discovery sincerely needs that person to move towards them and say this has been really hurtful there has been some stuff i don't enjoy hearing like hearing you say like you know how i do this thing now it's great and now we just accept this and this is who i am now and it's like uh, you know, like there's fear in that. Like, I don't want to accept that and just like call it like, yeah. oh, now you just get permission to do nothing. Oh, yeah, so it's you- time blindness. That's what it is. So there <laughs> so, it is. You so now I never have to be upset that every you know, seventeen focus. seconds so I have an interspace brain. You know, so I'm just you know da da da. You know, like oh, it's dopamine disorder. Yeah, yeah. See, what I, like like all that can can feel. My son said that to us the other day. He was like, it's almost like she has a dopamine disorder. And I was like, (laughs) easy. But I, but I do think someone has to be willing to suspend their experience of hurt to really move towards. And then it has to come back to say like, now I want to hear about yours because while we cannot, I mean, this doesn't matter ADHD or being a parent or having different jobs doesn't really matter. There is a shared cost in being a relationship but it's never going to be the same. And so, we, but we have to not move towards each other to, to fully get the experience, but to understand it. Like, oh my goodness, I don't understand it, but I want to, like, I would love to know, like, tell me more. Well, and, and I wonder too, I mean, this might be, hopefully this isn't a rabbit trail, but Katie, just what you're talking about that changing of roles and positions and kind of mentioned like there could be a different power dynamic there i do think that to be clear steven said that (laughs) well i mean (laughs) right what so katie that thing you said (laughs) well that thing you said katie that sparked that sparked that i thought in my mind uh because aaron and i've talked about this too and and katie i I think we talked about it with you when we did our podcast with you and it's about like the difference in in like the experience for different genders so if you're in a mixed gendered uh relationship or like where we see it a lot is when there's a male partner who has ADHD and the female female partner doesn't, the conversation feels different than when the female partner has 100%. ADHD and the male partner doesn't. 
I would definitely say that's the case for my clients as well. But as the one person maybe who's potentially just diagnosed comes into play, it's becoming an open and discovery piece for both of them. And the people who were diagnosed as children and living with this, it's like, this is just them. They kind of associate, oh, they're just messy. I just, I just know that about them or they're disorganized. I just know that about them, but it doesn't leave you less frustrated, but I think it does have a different sense of empathy than you're explaining for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, and I think one of the reasons maybe for that impacted our conversation is like Aaron is the default parent. Aaron is bearing the mental load. You're like, talking about in the couples we talk to where the the yeah. man has the, the ADHD and the, the mom is like, I'm sorry. So I'm already carrying 99% yeah. of the load of our life. And now you'd like for me to pause to, and I think the way they hear it is like, explain away all your deficiencies is I think how it feels. Um, And and I think that's what it seems like the invitation is, which understandably sounds awful. And and that's not the event, but but it's very murky. It gets very murky, I think, in that scenario. Well, yeah, Stephen, you were talking about reminding Aaron every five minutes that you have out of pocket. How is that not mental load? Sure. And and so for, for, for me, like in my, in my, brain, I'm like, I'm keeping track of the time for Aaron. Aaron is keeping track of every aspect of our three kids' lives, as well as some things for me too, because I'm not, it's not like I'm just like, you know, I don't, you know, Aaron doesn't do things for me or keep track of things for me. It's like, Aaron's got four people. I'm monitoring her time. And it just feels very different to me in but terms also of, though it doesn't mean that, that is not how a, it gets sideways because it's because almost never and if it is never right like then that's a different problem is are both partners not contributing not doing something so like then it is like well you know want to know the 10 things i did well these are the not long ago we literally had this moment where i came down late steven had been doing the time call and i said i'm coming so he came to our office I didn't come for like three minutes and he just looked at me like the whole way. Like, and I was just like, and my first words, he said nothing just except with his face. And I was just like, I was talking to the pediatrician and he was like, very sorry. Many apologies. I, I swallow my loathing. Because I wasn't talking to the pediatrician. I wasn't making that phone call. I would. And so I think that I, but Katie, I think to your point, it's not that I don't carry a mental load around particular aspects of our life together. I, yeah. I, I do. And it's shifted as our kids have gotten older too. But I, but I do think that the way that like shakes out is different. And, and I, and I still feel like Aaron is carrying a lot. And I think that why, why I feel that way is because I, I think that that's part of my understanding in terms of her experience as a default parent and, and all that, like me coming to understand that it just, I don't know. It doesn't bother. It just, it doesn't bother me, I guess. I'm even thinking of like my daughter's 14 months old. I'm even thinking about the fact that I've been with my congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I was even thinking about the fact that I've been with my husband for 12 years. We've had a whole life of 
just us. And I think that it's also really important to mention that mental load that you're talking about isn't just for couples who have kids. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's not just for families and partners and coworkers. This is really a shift in dynamic and conversation of pressure that I think a lot of people with ADHD and learning disabilities also put on themselves. And it's not that the society isn't also giving that tremendous pressure, but I think when you don't know how to ask for help or you don't know how to communicate exactly what you need support on or what that could help with, or you feel caged, as you mentioned, Aaron, about like following a structure that didn't fit for you, that is really hard. And so instead of talking about it, that mental load adds to you constantly. Like I I remember when my husband and I first started dating, I started putting everything in Google Calendar because he'd be like, let's go somewhere at a at like a random time. And I'm like, we have a wedding. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> he actually asked me to like go to a baseball game. And I was like, really? Like, look at the calendar. Th- that was my mental load of like, I'm tracking all of this before. So I think just even shifting that conversation of how do you have conversations with people who are not necessarily in relationships with with children and how that also changes, I think is important to mention. Sure. I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think parenting changes the conversation, but it isn't where it started almost ever, for sure. I, I, I think we have, I, we always use, an, or I always use an example. Stephen, every single night when, when we were married, we're 15 and a half years married. And every single night he used to get a glass of water and we would sit and like have like our like right before bed chat and he'd sit it on the windowsill. And every morning I would pick it up and take it to the sink and it would drive me crazy, but in kind of a cute way. And then fast forward five and a half years and we had a kid and that glass was not cute. And it was like, if I see that glass <laughs> on that windowsill one more time, like yeah. I, I cannot start my day with a tiny person and looking at a glass. It's like it intensifies different things, but like becoming a parent was not the beginning of the glass for that us. That is so true. That is so true. <laughs> was it half full or half empty? That's the question. <laughs> D- depending empty, which day. <laughs> for me, she's asking. Uh, yeah. Stephen's uh, like, I drank it every I night. It was, it was delicious. Empty, I, you know? I just you know, drank the whole thing and just left it there. She knew she was going to get uh, it. There was no problem. <laughs> I felt great about how all that went. I know. <laughs> okay. So, Aaron, what's one word Stephen would use to describe you? The first one that came to mind was infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wonderful. Oh. Maybe you could find like a portmanteau of wonderful rating. Wonderfuriating. Frusterful. How do you describe all... your brain? He, he describes it beautifully. I think the one, I think, I mean, honestly, if I like had like a minute, but like the rapid fire, I think is, I was still in the glass moment. Um, I think Stephen would say like um, effusive. That's one of his favorite words. Oh, lovely. Okay. Yeah. Stephen, your question. How would Aaron describe you in one word? Rigid. <laughs> He's not wrong. That is a word I would use. I feel like we need the signs. It's like the shoe signs. Like, <laughs> you got it right. She okay. might throw in there moody. Okay, but do the uh, nice one now. The nice one. Um, the steady. Phone. Steady. Um, and <laughs> That's the nice one. <laughs> well, well, well that, that feels stabilizing. I know. I know. I know. 
you never say nice things. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Favorite strength about yourself? Um, I am like a hard worker. Like I am, I will not quit. I'm not a quitter. Okay. Um, loving. Oh, those are beautiful. Working it. Hard working it. Love it. Yeah, there you go. Hard, that sound? You should have been like, I'm hard loving. Uh, hard loving. I'm hard loving. <laughs> How's it going? Now? Those are good. This one is always fun for people who have ADHD, especially. Most interesting hobby you've picked up? Watercolor painting with my children's Crayolas, like guys, I've gotten detailed about it, and they are oh terrible. with their Crayolas. I'm oh, sorry, they're Crayola watercolor. Like all I'm saying oh. is, like it's not like I've like because sometimes I buy expensive things to to have a hobby for two weeks, but this was like, look, it's already in the cabinet. I felt really proud of that one. That's great. <laughs> Reusing. Um, I I, <laughs> I don't really have hobbies. I do the same thing over Woodworking. and over That's and a over hobby. again. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very. Um, Handy. Yeah, but that's, I mean, I didn't, this is not a new hobby. I oh. don't have new hobbies. I have the same hobbies I've always oh. had. <laughs> so I, I do like to do carpentry and woodwork, but that's not new. He just oh. built our children desks. I was very impressed. That's Aww, impressive. That is sweet. What is your go-to snack on a day where you can't uh, fix anything elaborate? Trail mix. I literally said yesterday, I feel like for two weeks I've eaten nothing except trail mix. I'd say so the uh, the peanut butter filled pretzel bites. Oh. oh, so good! Chef's kiss. I love Man. these. These are so good. I mean, a bag does not last. No, no, no. It's you, amazing. You buy the bag. That's your first mistake. You gotta buy the like Costco container. Oh, it's so good. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. It was so great having you guys. This is fun. Thank you. Thank y'all. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. And that's a wrap for this episode of the ADHD Lounge Podcast. Thank you for listening and make sure to join us over at ADHDlounge.com. We've got resources, co-working, workshops, and a community of amazing ADHD folks just like yourself. And you can also attend these recordings live where you can ask questions and join in these discussions as they're happening. So make sure to head over to the ADHDlounge.com to join us today and you can find that link in the show notes. And if you've made it this far and you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us reach more listeners who could benefit from these conversations. Seriously, do it. Go now before you forget. <laughs> <laughs>